Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. Well, we are, as mentioned last week, launching out on a series of messages. We've been challenging you already this year to go deeper in the things of the Lord, to grow deeper in the things of the Lord, and certainly worship is one of those areas that we want to challenge you in. Um, Listen, you say, well, Pastor, I'm not comfortable. uh, We're not here to make you comfortable, amen? We're, we're here to encourage you, to challenge you, to grow in your faith and to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, it's number two, connect, grow, and go, right? And, and sometimes if we're going to go deeper in the things of the Lord, we're going to have to get out of the conveniences, as Pastor Jason talked about uh, at the offering time. We're going to have to get out of the conveniences of familiarity, and we're going to have to stretch out into new places, Amen. I was passing I was passing down Greenville Boulevard the other day and there were utility workers out and uh, Pastor Lisa will tell you like they were they were blocking up one lane of the road and people were having to merge and it was bottlenecking the traffic and the traffic was backed up how many of you know what I'm talking about you know what and I, 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 I caught myself getting ready to complain My wife may say that I did start to complain. But I stopped. And I said, you know what? Sometimes in order for improvement to take place, inconvenience is necessary. So I just said, thank you, Jesus, for these people that are making Greenville, North Carolina, a better place to live. And I merged in the traffic and went around and shut my mouth amen sometimes we get in situations in life and rather than complaining to God about what we're going through we might just need to clam it up for just a minute and say God I don't know what you're doing in me in this moment but I recognize that you are working all things together for my good and it may be a little bit of inconvenience in my life right now but I know that your goal in all things is improvement therefore Lord I'm going to bless you I'm going to worship you I'm going to praise you I'm going to give you the glory and all the honor because you are worthy so I want to I want to challenge you for the next several weeks uh, myself and a number of voices are going to be challenging you for the next couple of weeks to think differently and not just differently but to think deeper about the subject and the activity the action of worship I want you to think about worship in terms that it's not optional You as a child of God, you are not called to live an optional life of worship, but we are called to live an active life of worship. It's not a, worship is not a matter of preference. So oftentimes, I mentioned it earlier, we get hung up on whether or not we like something or we dislike something and and that dictates to us whether or not we can worship God. But I want to tell you something today, church, God is not in the song, God is not in the style, but God is a spirit and he will be worshiped in spirit and in truth. I want to I challenge you, and it's so heavy on my heart to challenge you to think differently and to think deeper about worship because when we begin to worship differently, we will begin to live differently. Yes. 
We're a, we're a worshiping church. If you're here, you understand that, you know that. We, we're a worshiping church. It's a part of our DNA. It's something in which we invest heavily. It's something that we encourage because we're trying to, as much as CNN and, and Fox News and all these other entities are trying to create a culture, there are a lot of movements in our world today, in our society, and they are trying to create and define culture. And I, I want you to know, I want to be very candid in what we're doing here because we're trying to define a culture as well. We're trying to create a culture that when you come in this house, you know there are certain cultural elements that you are going to be greeted by and we are trying to create a culture of worship. We're trying to create a culture of worship, not a culture of religion, but a culture of relationship. Not a culture of politics, but a culture of praise. Not a culture of fearful hand-wringing, but a culture of victorious worship. And you know, there's, there's an interesting caveat about cultures. The word says that you and I are to be in the world, but not of the world. That means that we can be here and we can see sinfulness abound on every hand, but you and I as children of God are called to abstain, to stay away from that as a cultural normative in our lives. We're not to partake. Don't go to the places and do the things that we see so many people going to places and doing. We're to be set apart and holy unto the Lord. Amen? You, you with me? And it's possible for you and I to visit a culture, even to abide in the culture, but never exchange with its currency and never speak the native language and never assimilate to the culture. I want to tell you something. There are a lot of places that I could go in this world, and I believe that no matter how long I stayed there, I would never be able to speak the language. I don't know that I could ever adapt to the culture. I mean, I was raised on meat and potatoes and gravy. And I'm not sure how well I would do at adapting to some of the other cultures that I see and, and things that people eat and the things that they partake of and the, the customs and the mannerisms. I just, I don't know. I mean, if I went, it would have to be definitely a call of God and a special anointing on my life. And do you know it's possible for you and I to come into a church and you can sit in the pew and you can observe a team that's here praising God and giving it everything they've got week after week, service after service after service and to sit in your pew and say, wow, that's really neat. That's really cool. I, I like the liveliness that I feel when I go there. I like the dynamics of the, of the culture when I go there. And I, I love and I'm comfortable being an observer. And you can do that week in and week out. And as I said, we're trying to establish a culture of worship. But you can come in this place week after week after week and never exchange in the currency of worship. Never assimilate, never be a participant. And this is what I know when I'm speaking to you today. I know that as I speak to Faith Assembly Church, I'm speaking to people who come from various backgrounds in life. 
various backgrounds and church experience. I know that seated among us today, there are some from out of Catholicism, there are some from Methodist churches and Episcopal churches and Presbyterian churches and Baptist churches and Free Will Baptist churches and as many kind of churches as you want to name. I believe they're represented here in this congregation and maybe you came from a very different tradition. But I want to tell you something today. Worship of the Almighty is not about one's tradition. Worship of the Almighty is about the worth of the one whom we worship. It's about being, bringing glory and honor and praise to the name of Jesus. It doesn't have anything to do with tradition, but it has to do with the word. And over and over and over in this word, you and I are challenged to worship the Lord. We're instructed to worship him, to praise him and worship. Let me tell you this. Worship is a posture and a declaration of victory. And if I can be as so forthright with you this morning, yes, we are trying to create a culture of worship because ultimately we're trying to create a culture of victory because I grow weary text me catch me in the lobby tell me your prayer request I want to believe with you hallelujah but I grow weary of defeated Christians because I know some people that they attend church week in and week out and week in and week out and week in and week out but the problem is they never come in the house and exchange in the currency of worship therefore they never have the banner of victory flying over their lives and when you speak to them the only thing that comes out is defeat and despair and despondency and discouragement always beat down always beat up always wore out but I'm here to tell you today church that is not the God I serve come on somebody ought to shout amen somebody ought to praise God in this place today because Jesus said in the world you will have trouble but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world I know there's stuff going on all around us in the world today I know there's wars and rumors of wars and threats of calamity but I want to tell you something Jesus has overcome it all and it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if earth hinders and hell rages the child of God needs to take a firm stand in the word of truth today and say God I'm going to bless you if they push their button I'm going to bless you if they if they wreck my world I'm going to bless you if the economy tanks I'm going to bless you if there's bounty in the land I'm going to bless you if it's good for me I'm going to bless you if it's bad for me I'm going to bless bless you because great is the Lord and greatly to be praised hallelujah well praise the Lord I'm glad I got that off my chest 
We want to create a posture and we want to create a people who have a posture and a declaration of victory because we're trying to create that culture of victory because church, we have not been forsaken. We are more than conquerors. We shall not want because Jehovah Jireh has provided every need and we don't want you to simply come here week after week and admire what the natives do. We want you to assimilate to the culture and be a worshiper yourself because when you change the way you worship it'll change the way you live you say well pastor I I like that that sounds good to me and I'm really thankful that the church is open on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock and 1045 a.m. And that is such a wonderful opportunity. But, you know, sometimes it's Sunday morning on, at 9 o'clock and everything, I just, I don't necessarily feel like worshiping. I mean, I just got out of the bed. I want to tell you something. I, I had an alarm set for 6 a.m. And at 5.30, my eyes popped open and I said, thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity that I've got today to go to the house of the Lord and worship with God's people and to praise you and bless your name. Hallelujah. So let me tell you some times when it's appropriate to worship the Lord. You need to worship the Lord. There's some times when you just can't wait to get to the house of the Lord. I mean, you just, you're here and you're just like bubbling all over and and your your heart's so full and you just, you can't wait and you just, oh my word, you are the loudest and the proudest on that Sunday morning, amen? You're just, you're full, you're full. But can I tell you, it is appropriate to worship the Lord when you're full. It's appropriate to worship the Lord when you're empty. When you feel so drained, so depleted, so discouraged, all those things, it is, it is appropriate then in that place just to lift your hands and praise God. When you feel like it, it's appropriate to worship the Lord. When you don't, it's appropriate to worship the Lord. When you're satisfied, it's appropriate to worship the Lord. When you're discouraged, it's appropriate to worship the Lord. When you're in the valley, it's appropriate to worship the Lord. When you're on the mountaintop, it's appropriate to worship the Lord. Let me illustrate this for you because you thought I was going to go to Job where he said the Lord gives and the Lord takes away blessed be the name of the Lord that is certainly fitting here but I want to read for you from the 34th Psalm and the word of the Lord says this it's a Psalm of David when he pretended madness before Abimelech who drove him away and he departed now I don't always include these superscripts in the Psalms when I'm reading do we have that Psalm 34 I don't, I don't always include these the superscripts in the, in the psalm when I'm carrying, and they didn't put it up there. But if you read in your Bible, there's a, there's a superscript above this psalm. And it says that it's a psalm of David when he pretended madness before Abimelech. It's, it's setting the stage. It's giving us a context. 
so that you, can, you and I can understand and know what was going on in the life of David as he wrote this psalm. You've got to understand, this is when, this is when King Saul was chasing him after, chasing after David, hunting him like a dog through the wilderness with the intent to take his life from him. Not because David had been uh, malicious towards Saul, but because Saul recognized the anointing on David's life. Can I tell you that sometimes you will be pursued, most of the time you will be pursued by your adversary, not because you're a bad person, not because you've fallen short, but because he can recognize the anointing of God on your life. He will hunt you, he will terrorize you, he will come after you with every lie in his arsenal. And sometimes we come through these doors and we we feel the press of that of that oppression upon us and we feel that press of our adversary against us but in this place this is what David said I will bless the Lord at all times his praise shall continually be upon my lips my soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Not because everything was right. Everything conceivable was wrong. But I want to tell you today, church, it's not in the comforts of this world that we find our hope. It's not in what our portfolios look like. But it is Jesus Christ in us that is the hope of glory. And we need to bless the name of the Lord at all times. Let me give you some appropriate reasons here why we ought to worship. Number one, we're called. We've read it in the psalm. You've read it all week long. Day after day after day, you've read that 100th psalm that calls the body of Christ, the people of God, to worship. And as always is my prayer, it's that you, you take what you've heard here today and you conduct your own Bible studies through the week and you, you get deeper. And you'll find, if you'll do that, that the Bible is replete with instructions for our worship. It is packed full. Worship because you're called. Worship because it's a means of preparation for what God wants to do in our lives. You've, you've heard, if you've heard us say it, Pastor Lisa and myself, you've heard us say it once, you've heard us say it a thousand times. God wants to do something in your life. God's got something big for you. He's the God of more than we can ask, think, or imagine. That's the way God wants to operate in our lives. That's the way God wants to move in our hearts and our minds. He wants to move in ways that we can't even imagine. And, and worship is a preparation for what God wants to do in our lives. And we might illustrate this using Jehoshaphat from the Old Testament. If you've got your Bible, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, you can find this story there. God wanted to give Jehoshaphat a great victory. How many of you wish and pray and believe God for a great victory in your own life today? You just, if, if you just say, God, if you just give me breakthrough, God, just do this, do this thing. I mean, if you would just give me victory in this area. God wanted to give Jehoshaphat a great victory. So his instructions were that preceding victory were not for Jehoshaphat to prepare to fight 
but rather to send the worshipers out ahead of the warriors. Second Chronicles chapter 20, beginning in verse 21, we read these words and it says, And when he had consulted the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness. And as they went out before the army, they were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir and who had come against Judah and they were defeated. God wanted to give Jehoshaphat a victory, but worship was the prerequisite. And there's so many things that we miss the principle just because we don't have a direct contextual application in our lives. We say, well, there's never been an army arrayed against me. Yes, there has. Yes, there has, and yes, there is. There is an adversary that has sought you to sift you as wheat. There is a hell that rages against you with a demonic fervor today and wants to see you miss out on the blessing of God. But I'm here today to tell you that God has a victory for you. God has a blessing for your life. But the reason we so often miss it is because we have failed to set and inquire and look upon and gaze at the beauty of his holiness and realize that he is so much bigger than all our problems. God wanted to give Jehoshaphat the victory but worship was a prerequisite can I tell you this just just as a side note worship is not a merit activity okay you're you're not going to accumulate points by doing so and after a while you're going to accumulate enough points to earn some sort of blessing worship doesn't exalt us or earn us anything and as i said so often though the seeming absence of blessing is not an absence at all it's our inability to see because we've not gained the perspective that comes as we set our gaze to worship the lord in the beauty of holiness and while worship is for the glory of god it's to our benefit because it changes our perspective it changes the way that we see things the way that we view problems and, and while worship is for the glory of God, it's to our benefit to be active and sincere worshipers to, of the Lord because we do expect God to respond. He has promised that he will inhabit the praises of his people and where the presence of the Lord is, things change. Why do we want a culture of worship? Because we want a culture of change. We want people to come in and experience God and be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit and walk out of this place different. Never do I ever, ever want you to look at your experience in the church and think to yourself, I don't know why I bother to go. I don't get a thing out of it. I want to say this as graciously and as kind as I possibly can. Church is often one of those things that you get out of it what you put into it. And if you're thoughtless in your approach to it, you'll probably get nothing out of it. 
If you're just here to fill a Sunday morning, then you'll probably get nothing out of it. If you're here to fill an obligation to your family, then you'll probably not get anything out of it. But if you will be like the psalmist and say, I was glad when they said to me, let us go in the house of the Lord. Let us bring the sacrifice of praise. Let us magnify the name of the Lord together. If you'll approach the house of God with that spirit and that attitude, I'm telling you, you will never leave the house of the Lord and say I don't understand what I'm doing here you will know that you've been in the presence of Jehovah hearts will be mended Hmm. things will change in the presence of the Lord and I want to tell you some good news this morning Pastor Trey's coming to jump on the keys for us here God is seeking worshipers God, God, is, God is seeking people that he can reveal his grandeur and his glory to. People that will come before his presence with singing, with thanksgiving and honor and lift up the name of the Lord. God is looking for those people. He said to the woman at the well, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Will you worship the Father? You worship what you do not know, but we worship... Uh, but we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth for the Father is seeking such to worship him and God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth in other words church listen to this there is an invitation that stands there's a standing invitation for you and I to enter into the presence of Almighty God. It's there. The door's open. We, we sing that song, The Throne Room. The veil is torn. The doors swing wide. We are there to step inside the throne room to, to experience the glory of God. And God has not only made a way for you and I to enter into his presence through the finished work of Christ, but he invites us and he is seeking those who will enter in. And as I said earlier, to quote the old song, in the presence of Jehovah, troubles vanish, hearts are mended, broken minds are restored breakthrough and victories happen in the presence of the Lord and you know what that is how, isn't that wonderful I mean isn't that amazing but there's a greater reason still for you and I to worship the Lord it's not it's not for what we get out of it it's not the blessing that's revealed to us there is an irrefutable basis of worship and while worship has many benefits though those are not the basis see true worship the word says that God is looking for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth and true worship has no real contingencies it's not I'll worship if I feel like it if life turns out for me if this thing comes through if this works out none of that none none of those contingencies are present in true worship and that's what 
God is looking for when he searches the hearts of men. It's not about how I feel. It's not about what's going on in my life. It's not about whether I can see the hand of God or not. John gives us a a heavenly revelation in Revelation chapter 5. And he talks about seeing the resurrected Savior. I want you to stand. That way you can be encouraged to know that I'm nearing the end. But John saw Jesus in all of his resurrected glory. And he saw this scene of worshipers around the throne and he said they were saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Isaiah also was given a heavenly vision. He said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above it stood seraphim, and each one had six wings, and with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. In that 100th Psalm we read, one of the concluding verses says, It is God who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and we are the sheep of his pasture. And you know what? The older I get, the more I come to realize the weight and the gravity of the words of James. He says, what is a man, what is the life of a man but a vapor? That is today, here, and tomorrow gone. Nobody remembers, he's just gone. But God remembers. If you have been saved and born again, there is a new name that has been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And when there's nothing left of this world and all of its problems, 
there is a truth that will transcend all of it. And that is that we will come to the same realization that Isaiah did. When, it's, when this world is all done and it's all over with, we'll see the Lord high and lifted up, seated on his throne. And the most gracious and wonderful part of it all is that even though this world has forgotten that you ever passed through, there's a God that 2,000 years ago looked down on your life and said, I love them so much that I am willing to give my only begotten son as a ransom for their lives that they can be purged of the sin and the iniquity that keeps them from me. Because I want them to be able to have the choice to spend eternity in my presence. I know for a fact because it's recorded in the Bible that Jesus didn't feel like facing the cruelty of Golgotha. In fact, he prayed and said, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. And I want to tell you something today, child of God. It is the will of God for your life that you worship the Lord. Not because he's egotistical, but because he is caring. Not because he's done everything according to your will, but because he's worthy. He is worthy to be exalted. He is worthy to be lifted up. He is worthy to be praised. Regardless of the time, the season, the circumstance, or situation, we've seen clearly in the word that he is worthy of praise. Say, so, well, Pastor, I don't understand some of the hands raising and the tears and the things that I see. I've never been a part of a Pentecostal church and I don't, nobody ever taught me that or told me that or anything and I'm, I'm just not, I want to I encourage you to press beyond the discomfort and worship the Lord with everything that you have. Step, step out of that comfort zone. Say, God, by faith, I'm going to lift my hands and bless your name. By faith, God, I'm going to, I'm going to make a move because I'm expecting that as I take the next step of faith, you're going to reveal greater things to me. And Lord, because you're worthy, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to lift your name. I'm going to praise you. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.